What do you want to go home and kiss my wife too? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sure, man. You want to alternate sips on yeah, this water like, bottle? What do you want? You want to meet in the middle on a Subway sandwich? Like, what, what else do you want to do? This is Ben and Jeremy's Ohio's Finest Podcast. It's literally our first episode ever, and we're already giving ourselves too much credit. Ben and I are two best friends from college who love sports, and that's what we're going to talk about here. Sports, pop culture, and whatever else comes to mind. Sometimes we'll joke, sometimes we'll delve into deeper issues, but what we're always going to try to do is entertain you. In our first episode, we discuss the quickly approaching Major League Baseball season. We'll talk predictions, what we'd like to see, rule changes, and more. Hope you enjoy. just love sports coaches i love like a manager managers now in baseball are getting a little too cool for me but i'm talking about old school guys like Lou football Pinella. guys <laughs> oh my god if you ask lou Pinella, he might be like yeah i he honest to god has no idea when his kids birthdays are not a clue can't tell you what a single one of them majored in college about not not even a close, but he knows exactly how many laps he made. Um, he made Carlos Zambrano run in 06. Oh, yeah. And he knows exactly, exactly. how. Yeah. He knows, he knows when he inserted this pitcher in fucking 1999. And he knows exactly what to say to not get thrown out by Joe West. Exactly. The exact verbiage of it. But if you ask him, hey, when's your oldest son's birthday? Like, I have a son? <laughs> it's like it's like with like Nick Saban like you ask Nick Saban to be a human being for a second he's just incapable of it and then there's a guy like like Jim Harbaugh is wired to be a football coach like he's he and it's just so unintentional he did an interview with pardon my take once and here's an exact quote from him he's just like they're asking him like about football and about his philosophy and he just goes look the human body craves contact Okay. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then they, I think they asked him, he's like, when's the last time you got in a fight? And he's like, oh, uh. I mean, what do you constitute as a fight? He's like, well, just answer the question. What's like, probably about five years ago. <laughs> it's like, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, no, it's fine. It was with John. It was with my brother. I was like, That's <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right. Well, I think we should probably get to the baseball a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so you want to start off, we were talking about predictions. So three, All right. three predictions. I'm, we're going to go three predictions that we think are pretty likely and then three predictions that are kind of dark horse, not as, not as likely that we believe in. So you want to start off? Uh, I'm going right up. at it. with Just name possibly. your three. Yeah, name your three. I'm going with my first one is kind of a tweener because it, I think for most people, it's probably a dark horse, but I'm fully believing the Reds are going to make the NLCS. Promise you. Guaranteed. Absolutely guaranteed. If the Dodgers weren't so good, I'd say that they were making the World Series without a question. I think the Reds made awesome moves. I think that they're just going to have a bunch of guys that like to play and that they're just going to ball out this year. And, and kudos to them because, you know, signing on Bauer, like you've got Votto, you've got him. He's been around for so long. Like I want Votto to be winning. And, you know, with mm-hmm. his personality and the way he plays, like he's 
he's a grinder and he's an old school type of guy. And I want to see him on a winning team. Um, if you listened, I listened to an interview he gave. I have no idea when it was, but he was just talking about how he studies and he studied so much of Ted Williams. And there's a book, the name of the book escapes me, but it's basically like a hitting manual. And he's like, I've studied every page of that book. And that's how I hit is through that book. And it's just like, you know, he's like two strikes. I, like I already choke up. I'm choking up even more. And it's the name of the game when he's like the name of the game is when there's two strikes. No, I'm walking. That's what I'm going to do. He's, I'm going to walk when there's two strikes. And it's just, I love him. I love Joey Votto. Yep. Well, I'm going to, I, I, I'm, I'm happy because Reds fans, obviously with us being from Ohio, we know plenty of Reds fans and they've suffered for quite a bit now. And it's crazy because that's a baseball city. It truly oh, is. Oh yeah. Um, that the opening day parade that they have. So I went there once and it wasn't the opening day. It was like the second or third game of the opening series. And they still like that downtown was buzzing and it was so cool. Like, have you been there on like opening weekend? Yeah, it's been a while. I remember once I went when I was young. I mean, I was young when I went, but I remember it vividly. I mean, they have, they had, that was the specific year where they had this, this art thing. And what they did is down there, they have the, uh, the flying pig marathon. And this was the year that they sculpted, like, I don't know, I, it, I was five, I was five. So I want to say like a hundred like pig sculptures. And there was all these pig sculptures and you walked around and you saw the pig sculptures and then you're like, oh, it's the opening day parade. And I mean, it's just awesome. It's yeah. if you're a baseball fan, you got to go to the opening day parade. Yeah. When I, when I was there, we were sitting out on a patio and uh, just, you've got, everybody walking by because they have like that awesome bar area right next to great american and that's like mm -hmm. it's what the nationals have built it's you know cleveland's cleveland's got like bars they're not facing the stadium like great americans are but they're nearby but you know you yeah some stadiums that have built that area right next to the ballpark and it's just so cool like great american it's almost like the road leads right up to the gate and you're walking by all these bars with patios and whatnot. It's just super cool. And part of that, that I learned and I recently learned and just to get into a quasi business aspect and this, we could talk about the business side of the whole LLB for an hour and a half. But one of the reasons why that a lot of these stadiums have that is the same reason that Wrigleyville is kind of the way it is. The owners of the Cubs, bought up all the land around Wrigley. And what that is, is they're able to do that. And by doing that, they're able to shield revenue from the quote unquote, the MLB. So the MLB and the players union, and that's gonna go into the whole contract disputes and the big dispute that was going on this summer is there's a big question of what's revenue. If the Cubs buy the bar across the street, and it's a Cubs bar owned and operated by the Cubs, is that MLB revenue? Right now, they say, no, it's not. So therefore, you know, let's pump a lot of money into that. And, you know, that, may, you know, let's just, I'm throwing out wild numbers, but that makes a hundred million in revenue. And that's about like, it's a hundred percent because of the stadium and because of game day. And it's, that is MLB revenue. And, but no, the players don't get any of that. That's not, that's not Cubs revenue. That's, and it's just the, the players are like, look, this is crap, you know? That's 
that's, you know, we, I would love what's revenue. And there's a big argument about what is revenue. And that's go back. That's what the reds have done. That's what the nationals have done. I pretty sure the Cardinals have done the same. It's just from a business standpoint, it's a way to get, get more money while shielding the money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. And um, when I was in St. Louis last week, same deal. And they had this St. Louis live type of area and the Rangers have the same thing. It's called Texas live and it's it's same type of deal. And I think that might have some sort of conjunction with Fox sports might own part of that because Mm -hmm. they had a bunch of signs everywhere. I'm not quite sure who owns it, but the same company like owns the one next to St. Louis's ballpark too. Same Mm -hmm. type of deal. Like, you know, tons of restaurants, like brand new, like this stuff is recently built and Mm -hmm. like right next to the stadium. And it's just, you know, I think that's how a lot of ballparks should be excluding. I think a lot of the newer ballparks should be like that um, in growing cities. But what I think Mm -hmm. you gotta, I think you like St. like uh, Wrigley, Boston, like that kind of has its charm of being those older pubs right next to the stadium. But I'm all for like newer stadiums with emerging fan bases, um, building up those areas right next to it and making it a new cool place to be. I completely agree. And from, I mean, just from a fan side and from a business side is if I can control the outside, I, I always think of it like the Indy 500, the Indy 500, I, I'm, I think 600,000 people go to the Indy 500, but only 150 attend at the race. And that's kind of the same idea that all these ballparks are having is, look, we own all this land. Here's the stadium, but we own everything around it. All we need to do is get you in this area and then you're ours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it, if we can jack up the price at this bar and say, look, let's just, you know, that's basically concessions. Yeah. Except for it's a restaurant. It's, it's different. It's not stadium food. It's restaurant food outside the stadium, but it's still my money. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the Texas Live place, so when we won the national title for track, we went there with our track head coach and he threw out the first pitch of the Rangers game. And we, it was him, uh, our director of ops, me and our photographer, and we had, like, dinner before the game at this Texas Live place. And it was super cool, like, you know, two ginormous TVs up front and just, like, 50 plus TVs all around the place. It was ridiculous. And it was, it's cool. And the St. Louis one looked the same where like you walk in, it's like a big, like common type of area where it's Mm -hmm. got two big stages. It's got like a, it's like, it's weird. So like it's got this giant bar and the bar rotates around, like turns into the wall. And on the other side is a stage so that they have live music sometimes. That's super cool. So they can do like a, like a straight up concert there. And they also had like multiple other bar stations around and then mm. breaking off of that main area on, on the first floor and then a second floor, ton, like it, like probably 10 more bars. It wow. was bars and restaurants in there is awesome. And it doesn't look that huge on the outside, but once you step in, you're like, holy crap, there's so much going on in here. And like you yeah. said, the Rangers, you know, the Rangers would love it if you come into the stadium. But if, again, if you just want to be in the general, like, game atmosphere and just be around the stadium, mm-hmm. they couldn't care less because, quite honestly, you might spend more money in that area than you would elsewhere. 
Oh, exactly. I mean, I'm trying to think of what's the bleacher seat at, at the Red Stadium. I think it's eight, eight, a couple years ago. It was eight dollars. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna get probably... you in for eight. Yeah, I'm gonna get you in for eight dollars. All right, I can if I own the restaurant across, I can make up that eight dollars by not having you in there. I can make that up. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, you're not gonna spend the twenty dollars on the concessions again. We're just look. We're looking at thirty dollars. Can I get you into a bar across the street, and can I get you to spend thirty dollars? Easy. Yeah, easy. I mean, so it it just, and that's I think it's a problem, and it's a really beneficial thing that baseball has is, and again, this could be a whole different hour that we could talk about. It's the I why would I want to go to the game when there might be a guy in front of me that's six feet tall when there's a really you know, kind of drunk guy in front of me that's being super obnoxious and, you know, and he's just being a, a real jerk about being an opposing team fan when I can just go watch a bar in air conditioning. And, and it's not, just the, wrong. the viewing experience that they've created outside of the stadium is immaculate. Yeah. 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 Like, so like, say for example, y'all are back down in Texas and mm-hmm. the Rangers are playing like say us four, we go, like, I think both would be equally fun if we're sitting at the Rangers game or if we're sitting in Texas live right next door and it's packed like it was last yeah. time. It's absolutely packed. And you're watching, the, you're watching the game up on TV. Like, both of those are incredibly fun experiences. And it's just yeah, a fantastic idea. Well, I mean, I, I just think that the time we had at the Home Run Derby was awesome. And, if, and then based off of what Collins said, if you can even whatever, however coherent he was, I mean, he probably was like, I, I might, I, honestly, with God, I may have had more fun here at the bar. Like it was a lot of fun going to the Home Run Derby, but yeah, it might, ha- it may have been more, you guys may have had more fun. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, we had a blast. I mean, it was great because we still heard everything. And we got, I mean, there, there was that little delay, but we heard it. And then we, we immediately looked at the, or the TV and go, oh, something happened. Yeah. Something happened. Like, it what's going to happen? It was so much fun. Uh, well, back to the predictions. I will take yeah. your, <laughs> we'll circle back here. <laughs> I'll take your red prediction and I'll raise you another one that people would consider a uh, definitely a dark horse, but I, I would mm-hmm. love to see. And I think the Angels will – Make a run at the ALCS. You think they have the pitching? What's that? You think they have the pitching? Well, that's where they struggle. That's for sure. But in a shortened season, if they want to work by right. committee and if they want to get a lot of different people working, um, I'd love to see it because I think they have the offense. Uh, yeah. We'll see, like, you know, I want to see Trout. Here's the thing is, like, you're right. They don't have the pitching right now. To, to sustain, no doubt, they don't have the pitching to, to make the playoffs in a 162-game season. But in a 60-game season, you know, like you and I have talked about before, the realm of possibilities is so much bigger. Yeah. So I would love to see, like, a heavy offensive Angels team, uh, obviously with newly signed um, Trout, make the playoffs. And Rendon. And, and Rendon, too. And so – and you got Pujols in his last, you know – I don't think he said this. Twilight. It's, it's Twilight, sure. Um, Otani is looking great offensively, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they just said that he's going to pitch – they said that he's going to probably pitch every Sunday. And what they said is that they rarely have Monday games. I think they said they have, like, three Monday games. 
So it just that really helps. But he pitches almost every Sunday. He gets the Monday off. Uh, because it's, I think that's something that's really interesting as well, is how they're going to handle Otani. Because I, I want to ask you a question. As you played college baseball, and albeit it's a completely different level, but how much of this be – I mean, 162 is a grind, and that's exactly how it is. You ask pitchers, they, it's a grind. that You kind of almost have to pace yourself. Yeah, It's 60 games. I mean, is it going to be – because I listened to a Trevor Bauer interview, and they asked him kind of – he goes – you know, you're you whether you like it or not. You know, you're used to pitching. Four days later, you pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what he was describing, he's like, "Look, I, I think in order to be good in this league, you have to have this mindset of, I feel most comfortable with the ball in my hand. I don't want he, I don't want like Sonny Gray is awesome, but I, I personally feel more comfortable with the ball in my hand because I know, you know, I'm, I feel that I'm that confident. So in the you know in the regular season, I wouldn't be like hey I pitched two days ago let me go do two innings I would never do that but now he's like I might I don't know it's 60 games it's a sprint I mean how does that affect the pitching yeah I mean you I mean the season there's so much more that depends on it and so you know if you think about it like a college regular season's 55 games and this is Mm -hmm. the, the pros this year are playing only five more games than colleges do um but yeah, no, I think he has merit to that. And and I think that extends. I think there are a lot of different pitchers like myself. I was a pitcher that I go out and do my job, but if, and I would love to be the one to go do it, but if coach is going to call on somebody else and I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to have full confidence in them and I'll be comfortable in them. But Bauer, like to succeed at the level that he does, he does have that personality of like, I want the ball. I need the ball to go pitch. And so I think you will see that a little bit more. Um, I think that there will be more pitchers in the league that are going to kind of be a little more pushy because mm. again, like, you know, pitchers are used to throwing a couple hundred innings in a season and mm. now they're going to get a fraction of that. And now they're going to be like, this is a sprint. Like I want to get my work in. I want to stay healthy for sure, but I want to mm. get my work in. I want to make sure that we're in these playoffs because if I'm risking you know, my health, my family's health from being here. Um, I want to get something out of this season because they could very well sit out. Um, and this, they have the perfect, like, you know, pass to sit out for sure, uh, which yeah. is a topic we'll talk about next. But um, if they're going to play this season, then they're going to want to get their work in. And I can totally see it because the games are going to mean so much more. And you're Each right, game, and it's a great point that I, you bring up because most people – like we've talked about before, like this is going to make the season, like every game is going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. There, is, there isn't going to be like um, this Sunday one o'clock game where, or I should say this Tuesday or Wednesday 1 p.m. game that nobody's watching and, you know, you're just, you're putting up, you're bringing up a spot starter from AAA. Like that's going to happen less and less just because of how much these games are going to mean. I mean, 35 wins is going to get you into the playoffs. Like, that, you need 35 wins, and so it's going to be a race to that. And what's – because I, I believe the math comes out to it's every game is the equivalent of 2.7 games in a regular season. So think about it. Every single game you play is a series. Like, yeah. you normally yeah. play a three-game series. If the Tigers play the Indians, more than likely it's probably a three-game series. That's every game now. 
Every game is worth a series, you know, and it's just because I, I was thinking is we see it in the playoffs. I mean, we think about Madison Bumgarner, probably I think it was 2012 when he pitched, I think, yeah, well, I know for a fact Randy Johnson in 2001 pitched game six, pitched like six, seven innings, and then he the next day he pitched two innings out of the pen. Now, if you're the Reds, you're two games out with 12 games to go. Trevor Bauer pitched two days ago, pitched six innings. You need, you need, you need it. You need this game. Do you pitch Trevor Bauer on two days rest? You do you send him out there for two innings? I don't know, but I think that's fascinating because the thing that a lot of things that have changed in baseball is that managers are not as much managers anymore. They are more implementers of a game plan that's been told to them by the analytics people in the front office. And whether you like that or not, I think that's much more is because if you asked Aaron Boone to be a manager, to be a, to be Lou Pinella, he's not Lou Pinella. albeit nobody's Lou Pinella, but He's not even close to Lupinella. What he is, is he's like, look, I know exactly where you're coming from. I know to the players. I know why you're frustrated. I get it. I completely get it. I'm following this plan. I am implementing this plan. We'll deal with this. And he's much more of, I mean, he's not a coach anymore. He's truly a manager. And I just see that so often now. I mean, you have Gabe Kepler. I think he's the same thing. And it's just, I just think it brings the managing back in. And I wonder if the Yankees are going to struggle that way because of that. Yeah. I mean, shoot, that's a great point. All right. I think then that can bring into, you know, my second prediction. And I think you're going to like this one. I think Corey Kluber wins the Cy Young. I would have liked it if he, he was still in Cleveland. Um, yeah. I, I mean – Shoot, the AL West outside of Houston. Well, I, I should say, you know, Oakland is getting better and better too. But I think the Rangers can make some noise in that division, hopefully. And I don't see I think they come in. Thing, but I can see I, some I, noise. I, I think that they come in second to last in the division. I just think Corey Kluber, because he – the thing about Corey Kluber that he always does, and he always does it, he has a bad April, always, always does I don't think he's going to have that. And he always figures it out. And I just think that he was – was he hurt last year or was he just not very good last year? I think he had some injuries. I think he's back. I think he's going to dominate. I think he's got – this is his year to step up, step it up again. And I think he wins the Cy Young. I guess I'm going straight to two straight dark horse picks. Yeah, you know, those are my two straight predictions. I mean, we might as well, well make it a, we might as well make it a dark horse, just strictly dark horse. Um, yeah, because because how much fun is it to say that the Dodgers are going to play the Yankees in the World Series? And Mike Trout's going to win the AL. My number one. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and Mike Trout's going to win the AL MVP. Like that's not fun. <laughs> I I would say uh, you know I agree on the Kluber one, and I had a, I have a prediction as well um, with the Cy Young, and mine was going to be Shane Bieber. I think yeah, he, can. he is elite. I think his fastball is unbelievable. His off speed, his breaking balls. Um, he is an elite pitcher and he is going to be around to stay. He's going to be the next pitcher that the Indians offer a long-term contract to. Um, what have they I'll, ever, ever done? Say, that? <laughs> albeit if they decide to. 
Maybe I'll correct that. He's going to be the next pitcher <laughs> somebody will offer a long-term contract to. He will be, I, you know, I, I truly believe he will be an eight-year contract guy. Yes, um, I agree. Again, reaches that point, Cleveland might not do it. Um, <laughs> but I do think he's going to be a guy that a team, you know, here in the next couple of years is going to offer him eight years for. I agree. Uh, he's I agree. He's an incredible pitcher. He He's not – you know, he is a guy, and obviously, like, to succeed in the major leagues, you can't just be a thrower. you got to be a pitcher. And there are mm-hmm. definitely some throwers that get by, but Bieber is, like, a pitcher. I love the way he's developed. He's one of, become one of my favorite players in baseball, and I think um, he finished fourth in the Cy Young, in the Cy Young race before, and I think this year is going to be a year, like, shortened season, and I think he can dominate for – uh, however many starts he's going to get this year, I think he can put up the best numbers in the league. He has that potential 100%. I think that he has some of the most top-end stuff. I mean, it showed last year in the All-Star game. I mean, he was there one inning, he struck out the side. It's the All-Star game. I mean, I, albeit I thought this was a little bit of a stretch, but it was the, you know, the only thing you can compare to last year. What he did in the All-Star game was what Pedro did back in, I think, 99. And albeit, I'm not saying Shane Bieber's Pedro Martinez, but you're in the All-Star game. You struck out the side in the All-Star game. That means a lot. That means you didn't get lucky. That means you got the stuff. And I, I agree. Last year, he showed that he can go the distance. He's got to stay healthy. But I think that – I think you're right up there. I think you're exactly correct. I think he's that guy that in a couple years is going to get that eight-year deal, eight-year, $250 million deal, the Steven Strasburg deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, like, you know, watching the, watching the strikeout, the strikeouts from that all-star game, he wasn't just sneaking something by people. He, he mm. was throwing like three, two knee buckling slider to strike out the side. Like he was making people look dumb and that's what he does. Like, I, I think he's young and he's obviously young. And so another 162 game season obviously he's proven that he can he can be fourth in the Cy Young race but I don't think he was he's ready to be a Cy Young winner for a full season but in a 60 game season I think this could give him that boost to be that full season Cy Young guy and I think he can chase down a Cy Young in the 60 game season now now this goes into something maybe we talk uh, you know let's just let's go right into it then we'll go into the things that we're, that are fun about this 60-game season and the things that just stink about this season. And one of the things that I'm going to ask you is, and this, is, this might cut you a little deep, all right? Let's say that this is the year. This is the one the Indians win. Are you excited? Are you like, uh, even though there's going to be a lot of people, like, it doesn't matter. It was the sick, who, who cares? You, yeah, you, good job. Good job. You won the Little Sisters of the Poor League. Like, <laughs> I mean, what – how would you feel? I mean, would you – obviously, you'd still be like, yeah, it's a win, a win, a win, a win, a win. But, I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll preface it by establishing that I'm going to book my flight to Cleveland for the very next day for the parade. <laughs> That's just still going to happen. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. You know, it, I, I've read articles um, – Zach Meisel, who's a MLB.com writer for the Indians, he wrote a, he wrote an article on this and about like 
he, he, I mean, he was more or less, he said the same thing that you did where he's like, you know what? It's already a weird enough season. How about the Indians just win this year? Why not? You know, like why, <laughs> this, he was more or less saying like, this might as well happen. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, but I would treat it as a world series and I would love it. But again, like you, no matter what, will always have people that would be like, it's a 60 game season. Like you mm-hmm. guys, you guys didn't hold up for the, and you know, you could even, you know, people might even argue like, look, y'all have started that downward trend from the 2016 world series. Of course they were, unbe- they were unbelievable in 2017. But yes. They didn't, win the, they didn't the win the division last year. The twins won the division last year. And the so the in most inconsequential team franchise of all time. The twins, they those, could, mid, those mites. I could see, I could see people making that argument of like, you guys couldn't hold up for a whole season last year. You gave up your division, and this year it's a sixty-game season. So like, you guys wouldn't even have been, you know, you guys might not even have won your division again um, if it was a full season again. But again, like, I am torn. You're right. I think it's a great question, and I think I think you would give everything. You would give anything to just have the opportunity to give an answer. <laughs> the opportunity yeah. Yeah. to say, guess what? Hey, we won it. Now does it really count? I yeah. don't care. We won it. <laughs> well, here's the thing is I, I get extremely annoyed with Astros fans that are like, who cares? We won. We won in 2017, whatever. And here's the thing is that I will be that same level of annoying when people say <laughs> it was a 60-game season. I'll be like, we won a world. I hate it. Now, granted, cheating was involved on their end. This is just us winning despite the circumstances. But yeah. I will be that same level of annoying where people are like, it was a 60-game season. It doesn't even matter. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I bought hey, every hey, – Talk to the ring. I bought hats. I bought jerseys. <laughs> I bought shirts. I bought hoodies. Like, I have a giant flag. I bought a – I bought a – I bought a – I bought a uh, authentic <laughs> ring. Like I don't care. I, I, I bought a bust. I, there's a bust of Francisco Lindor in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's gonna be like I'm gonna be that same level of annoying if we win. But again, like it will be. Was it you that was talking to me, or might have been somebody else that was saying the NHL lockout in 2013? Was it 20, uh, 2000, you talk 2005 or you talk about the short yeah the, the NBA and the NHL had a shortened season yes season. and what it was so you and that was more to yeah. hockey than I do um so what was what was it like with I can't remember who won it somebody was telling me about this but they were saying you know like people in hockey kind of look back on that and they're like yeah they won but it was a strike shortened season I'm not sure about that but I have a I, I'm not positive on that but I have a counterpoint to that is Tim Duncan won five NBA championships and he won them with the Spurs. And do you know what his first one was? A strike sorting season. And nobody ever talks about that. I'm pretty sure LeBron, I think it's either LeBron's first title or maybe it was the one that the Mavericks won was a strike shortened season. And, And yes, it is a little different because they probably played 54 of 80 so they're not playing about only a third of the game. So, but at the same time, no one talks about it. No one talks about Tim Duncan having four and a half rings. He's got five rings. And I mean, and that's just something that I find. I, someone told this to me, and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Because, you know, as a Yankees fan, I think that the most annoying people in the world are the people that 
well, just it doesn't matter what you say, Jeremy. Talk to 27 rings. It's like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Do you know, I don't even know the number, but I think the Yankees won eight of them before black people could be in the league. No, that don't, they don't count. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh yeah, you're 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 riding the back of Yogi Berra. Come on, like, <laughs> so like, they always say, like, yeah, enjoy your twenty-seven and a half rings, and <laughs> that's what I think it'll be for. Versus Yankee fan, I think it'd be a half a ring. The Indians, I think it's a ring. Yeah, that's a good point. I think another prediction that I've got, um, kind of kind of similar to Bieber, in, in the fact that um, it's more of a dark horse prediction. But mm-hmm. now here, now here's the thing: is like Trout AL MVP. I mean, you can, yeah. It's a given at this point. You know, he's one of the greatest players of the – I mean, he's – I personally think he's the greatest player of the generation, one of the yeah. greatest of all time already. But it, – so it is a race for second place. Uh, yes. I'd like to see finish second in the MVP is Matt Chapman for the A's. I love the he's way that he plays. He mashes the ball. I love mm-hmm. watching him play. Um, I would really – and, of course, this A's team just keeps getting better and better. I would love to see him – finish second in the MVP behind Trout. And again, it, it is a race for second place. Doesn't Who knows how much Trout's going to run away with it. But mm-hmm. in terms of – so finishing, if you know you're playing in the same league as Trout and you're going to finish second in the MVP, that's first in the MVP in most years. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you don't have a freak of nature like Mike Trout, you're a stud. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it, it's almost comically ridiculous how good Mike Trout is. I was just looking up career war and war, take it or leave it sometime. But I was looking up career war and you go down the list and it's like, you know, you know, Oh, the guys that are over 100 and you go down it's like, Oh, the guy played 17 years, 18 years, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, you know, nine. Yeah. (laughs) He's played nine years and he's got the only thing you compare is like, I think the other one, even remotely close to it was like, yeah, he played 15 years. I mean, he's just comically better. He's comically better than everybody. And it's just, and, and that's another thing that really sucks about this season is that if you go based off of all the statistics and all the averages of all the greats, this was most likely his year that he is. I mean, this was his year that he was going to, quote unquote be the best. This was supposed to be his physical peak. Okay, it sucks. Good year. And it sucks that we only get 60 games of him. Because he might not make the playoffs, which is I know that's your prediction. And that's awesome. But he also might not. And to only get 60 games out of Mike Trout in because and not even because he's injured. Just sucks. Yeah. No, I agree. I think um I think baseball as a sport is deprived anytime trout doesn't play every single game. Um, mm-hmm. But I would love to see him make the playoffs. I mean, he, I would unbelievable to me that he hasn't gotten to taste that yet. Um, yeah. I've got to think that the angels, like he wouldn't have commit, he wouldn't have committed to the angels for the more or less the rest of his career um, without getting at least speaking to them about investing in that team and putting together a playoff team. Um, yeah. I, like think, I like to think that that's what they were doing with Otani when they were going to sign somebody knowing 
our pitching staff, obviously if we're going to spend all this money on trout, because we're, you know, when they signed Otani, they knew they were going to, they had trout already. So they knew they were going to have to eventually lock him down long-term with a gigantic deal. Um, I think what they were thinking was when we sign Otani, this is somebody that can, we can, in, that can not only contribute to our offense, but we can, we can insert into our pitching rotation because the money we're going to spend on trout is going to leave us, you know, with not as much money that we would like, not as much money to add several pitchers. So if we can sign somebody that can do both, I mean, shoot, that's pretty, that's pretty efficient for us. Oh, yeah. And then once you get Pujols off the books, then you, you open up a little bit more money. And I know that the Otani thing, Otani was actually really different than past Japanese pitchers like you Darvish or Daisuke Matsuzaka. Because you Darvish, uh, I'm sorry, Otani, I don't know the exact mechanism of it, but I don't believe that he had enough, I want to call it service time in Japan to qualify as the free agent that you Darvish or Daisuke was that when they came over, they signed like an $85 million, $100 million contract. I believe Otani signed the equivalent to what a first or second year guy out of the minors would sign, which is five years, $25 million, if that. that if he signed that level of contract just because it was a sticking point. Of, is he going to come over? Because some people were saying, no, Otani, you, you stay in Japan. I think it's one or two more years. You're going to make. 50 to 60 to 70 million more dollars if you just wait. And he's like, no, I I, want to get better. I want to do this. So I got to, I got to do it. So he did it then. And I think it's smart for him. I think him, you know, you're right. You can make the argument that if he stays there another two years, uh, he opens himself up to that extra, like whatever you want to call it, that next stage of free agency that he can, you know, gain, gain more money. Um, but he also is probably thinking, if I go over there and prove myself, I can make even more. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, he gambled on himself, and I love it. Yeah, that's what he's setting himself up for is he's setting himself up to make more. So good for him. And I agree. I love him. I absolutely love him. I love the Brendan McKay guy. I just love this new age of pitchers that, I mean, really can hit, like really, really can hit. And I just love every part of it just because the whole argument of, of uh, that I've heard for years, the DH versus the non-DH, these pitchers, they are hitters. They I mean, they're, they're players. Why shouldn't they have to hit? And it's like, all right. And then if you have a guy like Otani or McKay, you have two, there's two roster spots right there in one person. He gets to, he can do both. And it's just, it opens it up so magically. And I love it. I love what they can do with the two-way player. Speaking of the DH, um, with them not doing that this year, uh, the MLB, you could argue, the MLB is starting their propaganda of trying to turn the support towards having a DH universally. After oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah. I posted a pretty uh, interesting video the other day talking about, like, it was 25 seconds long talking about the benefits of a DH. And – they talked about how basically more or less the message of it was pitchers hitting is a guaranteed out. It's boring. And two, uh, DHs preserve the career of, and they said clumsy fielders. And I was just like, you know, the DH issue is tough for me because it's something that I can't really defend because if baseball is going to grow as a sport, you need more offense. 
and mm -hmm. a pitcher that's going to hit anywhere from 210 and below, you know, like, why don't I want that? Guaranteed out by any means, but that is, it's not a guarantee. It's not a guaranteed out, but it is not, if it is a hit, it's not a hard hit most of the time. Mm -hmm. It's a lot yeah. of sacrifices. So um, it's one of those things that like me is like, I like to think myself as a very progressive supporter of the game and I want it to grow. I'm a big fan of bat flips and um, showing emotion and all that stuff. But for whatever reason, like the conservative grumpy baseball fan, that the aspect of the game that I am that way about is the pitchers hitting and I can't really explain it. So I thought it was funny that the MLB is starting like they're, it's like almost like a little campaign to. I like the word you use the propaganda. I really like that because it, because if you're the MLB, yes, you, yes, you do control your own narrative. However, you don't because you have to have an agreement with the players and, and the, and then the umpires and then the coaches. And I'm, I, I, I don't, haven't done as much research if the players are for DH. I, I don't know. Because in my mind, I go, what's stopping it? What's stopping it? Because the DH, I think, is, what did it start in 72, 73? It's been almost 50 years. Like, it's not like it's the 90s and it's, this is still an experiment. This has been my whole life. And I, I think basically our parents' whole life has been the AL has the DH. Mm -hmm. it, it's not a failed experiment. There are, we're starting to have guys now that are trickling into the Hall of Fame as DHs. Yep. Edgar Martinez, David Ortiz. You tell me David Ortiz was a first baseman, I'd tell you, go, no, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. He was a first baseman when they played the NL. But no, he was a DH. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that is – is it a position? I don't know. But it's definitely a role. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I, be, I'm for it. Yeah, I, I am think for, I'm for the DH. I am, I am for it because again, my overall desire is for the game to grow. But I just find it funny that I am like, maybe it's the pitcher in me where I'm like, I still want to see some pitchers hit. Like, you show me, <laughs> like I will, I will get pumped about a pitcher hitting. You know, just a opposite field single. You will not find anybody more pumped about me. <laughs> You see him wait on that shit and hit, take it the other way? Hell yeah. You see the way his hips turned? Oh, yeah. God. You I will root for that any day. So if that, get, if that has to go away, I, I can't help but be a little bit sad. But, again, at the end of the day, it's going to bring more offense. And this year you'll get to see it. I mean, you'll see it in action. It'll only, Of course, it'll only be for 60 games. But, you know, you'll see. And love next year, I believe, correct? I believe all of next year as well. Is it really? Okay. I didn't know that. Leave all of next year. Um, the other rule change, which is an abysmal piece of crap on the, the, the heads of all of baseball and uh, that is going on this year, is an in extra innings. You're going to start with the runner on second, which makes me want to vomit. I vehemently I mean, oppose anything similar to that. It is, it is I, equivalent of it's, – it's just as stupid as the NFL overtime rule where if they score a touchdown, the game's over. It's yeah, just it's stupid. Ridiculous. I don't care. I, mean, I, I would so much rather the game just end in a tie after 12 innings than for you to have a runner starting on second base. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Like, because guess what? In the game, you can be punished by one pitch. That's correct. You can be punished and have it get sent. But the batter still has to punish him. All right? Now you're talking about 
fielder, a ground ball to third base, and an error happens. Okay. The, the offensive team didn't do anything to earn that run because they were given something on second base. You know, I, I just think that that is, there's no two sides of it. And baseball is so cause and effect. It's like, again, you, you, you talk about it. a pitcher gives an absolute gift to Mike Trout and just hangs this curveball, and it's just a meatball and everybody knows it's a home run. Mike Trout still has to hit the home run. Yes. But now, again, an error happens. The runner scores. It's yep. going, you know, if, if no, no question, the runner's going to score. And I just think there's no call. There's no, I mean, the cause and effect, it doesn't go both ways. The, the winning team didn't do anything. I could not agree more with your point. I think, I think the, one of the toughest things in the entire sport is getting on base at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I should say one of the toughest things in sports is getting on base. Yeah. And you might say like, well, all you had to do was like get a walk or all you had to do was like, hit a bloop single it's like that's unbelievably difficult to even get somebody on base and if you're gonna say it's hard you say it's bottom of the 12th and it becomes almost it almost feels like it becomes even harder because earlier in a game when the goal is to get on base now you're like we have one inning to get on base we need to get on base and um it just becomes so much harder and that you need to earn that and so, like, mm-hmm. you said, like putting somebody on second base, you're not earning that. Will will the guys behind him have to earn like a single? Yeah, that's for sure. But also, no, not even that. Not even that. Not have to. I, it could end without them earning it. it well, what I say, I mean, the closest. I mean, the most likely scenario I see every single time it happening. And maybe this is again, this is old school baseball. But this is what I would do because it is a do it a sacrifice bunt. Get him over to third. Now we have two outs to hit a fly ball to the outfield. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think, and especially now with everybody everybody swinging to the fences or striking out, I think that we can get a ball into the outfield and score this runner. I mean, you yeah. just didn't do anything. That, like, that means that you, have, you were given a guy in second. Technically, no at-bats occurred, and he's home. Yep. Because – and, and I get, and you're right. Somebody could say, you know, someone could point me to a specific game where technically they won with no at-bats in the extra innings, and you're correct. However, they weren't given a guy on second base. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the heart, like an unbelievable stat is that Joey Votto, who we're talking about earlier, had a had an on-base percentage of 450, which is incredible. I mean, that's ungodly. Think about now. I think the batting leader last year hit about 330. I mean, it's so difficult to get on base, all right? And I I don't have the stat in front of me, but I would guess that if, let's just say, a flat-out one-third of all at-bats or plate appearances result in a guy going to first base, I would guess probably less than half of even that result in getting to second base. Now – how many of those did it without recording it out? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just, you're giving somebody with, again, I'll say cut it in half, cut it in half. Again, something that happens one out of 20 times, you're just going to give it to somebody. What if I just, what if I just said, all right, in, in basketball, all right, 
we're just going to give you this three pointer. Then just just because, just for the fun of it, you know, we're just going to give it to you. But we're we're going to give you both it. It, it. No, it just it's crap to give them somebody something that is so that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I just don't understand the rule. Um, that is another thing that I will go full traditionalist on, and I will die on that hill. I think it's really stupid. I think they've been working it in the minor leagues. I think that's where it can work if you want to do it in the minor leagues because the goal there isn't the goal there isn't to win. It is to an extent because no. you, you do see man, you know, you see really crappy minor league teams and they'll get rid of the manager because it's showing, well, hey, you know what? It does suck that our major league team is pulling guys up off of your roster consistently. And very straight up, we're taking your best players every couple of weeks, but you still need to manage a game and so yeah. I agree that like winning does matter. And if you're a minor league team and you're winning a championship, that's awesome. But at the end of yeah. the day, the goal is development. And that if you want to have a runner start on second, because you don't want these, you don't want triple A guys or freaking single A guys. You don't want them playing 15 innings. Like no, not at all. Their development. And especially when you're a single A guy, and you've got, you're in the middle you're like three games into an eight game homestand and you got to play 15 innings and you're like what the fuck am I doing you know so I just think like if you want to do it in the minor leagues that's cool also what you could do in the minor leagues is just straight up end the game in a draw like if you really want to end it in a tie you can do yeah. that but like, to, like I, I, leagues, I hate like, draws matter yeah I hate draws I do hate draws however if we're just going to agree that this season is bonkers let's let's make it bonkers like let's just go ties let's just do it like i mean don't i mean it's like salvaging something like either let it be bonkers or play it normal like you know steer into the skid or just crash i mean it's fine but don't don't get cute with it because that's the that's the other thing the mlb i'm on two sides of the same coin because they've been pushing this they because when did they start this this like probably four years ago they started having this guy on second base and they've been pushing it like you said propaganda they've been propagandizing it they have been and this is their like dude it's our time let's do it and it's like no I hate this yeah. and any baseball fan that I've talked to is like no this is awful like why and I guess for like the only thing that I can think of is the person that doesn't want to be watching baseball, but is watching baseball, that this is for them, but they don't want to be watching baseball. So why are you making like baseball is such a sport that you either watch it or you don't either you enjoy it or you don't like you can be a casual fan, you know, but the, I think football is one where you've never, or sorry, hockey is way better. If you take someone who's never watched hockey before and you take them to a game, they might fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. Baseball is a little different than that because it is slower. It is methodical. It is a brain game. It is a battle. It's a, it's a grind. I think the fans are the fans. You're going to grow a little bit, you're gonna, but you're not going to capture the minds of too many people. And that's okay because you have your niche and people love it. So just don't, I don't know, I just think they're outreaching what they are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see, I, I, I 
walk the line on that. I think baseball is something that people can, you know, fall in love with right off the bat and it, it, can, it can capture people, but it is a slow burn. There's no denying mm-hmm. that. And to truly know the game, like you've got to be, you or to truly love the game, I think you need to know it. And of course, like you can watch a hockey game and you can be like, you might not even hardly know, like, you know, plays or formations or strategies and you're watching you're like this is awesome so Mm -hmm. that's not really a baseball thing where you can just like see a home run when you go to a three to two ball game and be in love with it you know you you start to love it when you know the game deeper and of course that goes for any sport but yeah you need to know it a little deeper to love it to truly start to love it and but I think that anybody can get started on that road at any time but again I agree with you where nobody's going to see in the 12th inning a runner started on second base, a ground ball error, and then a pop fly in the outfield and be like, oh, that was, that was so awesome. Look at that. Yeah. They, didn't even, they didn't even do anything, and they, that guy's already on – that guy already scored. Like, like, like the reason that, again, if you're at the very super casual fan, you didn't watch the game, but you look at your phone and you go, oh, this game's on TV. Oh, it's in the 12th inning. I'll watch it. The guy, if the guy's not on second base, I think regardless, I'm still going to go watch that game. It's on TV. It's the 12th inning. I think this is inherently pretty exciting. Yes. If you, if your goal is, if their goal was, hey, we don't want any more 18 inning games. We just can't have them. We can't have any more 14 inning games. We just can't have it. And if they came out and said that the reason we're doing this is to protect the players' arms. And they kind of go, look, we are in this sprint. We cannot have these people playing a 14-inning game because it's a sprint. There's 60 games. And if you came out and said that, I'd be like, okay, I get it. You know, that I kind of understand. You know, this again, this is a little different. But, no, they're just – they've been pushing this for years now, and they're like, now is our time. And it's just crap. It's, it's just – yeah, I don't – I think they, you could make the argument that it does protect the players and it, you can't argue that it doesn't because less innings will always make it less innings will always protect players. But the way, the reason that they have pushed it and what they've said every time is they want to appeal to the younger fan. And that's the reasoning that they're going with. And so it's like, that's, it's just not the way to do it. In my you want to appeal to the younger fan, let me post a highlight. That's Here's all you got to yes. do. You want to appeal to the younger fan? Here's what you do. The pitch clock, totally agree with. You want to make the games a little bit quicker? Okay, cool, pitch clock. But here's how you also do it. You don't black out. You don't have ridiculous blackout guidelines for games yeah. on TV and not even allowing people at any one point in time to watch games happening around the country. You don't have ridiculous yeah. blackout rules. You don't make it nearly impossible for anybody to post highlights after your games. That's how you do it. You don't do it by putting a runner on second base. You do it by making the game more accessible because people, exactly. will, love, people will love the game, but you need to make sure that it's more accessible because the NBA, what ginormous gameplay changes has the NBA made lately? They haven't. What have they done? They've marketed their athletes. Over the last decade, mm-hmm. they've gotten extremely good at marketing their athletes everywhere, especially on social media. And they made their highlights. They don't give a shit who posts their highlights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The second that a play happens, you're seeing that on Twitter. 
And within 10 minutes, House of Highlights has that video and they've posted it on Instagram. And that's oh, yeah. And that's, so if you have a sport, I mean, you can have House of Highlights posting uh, Frisbee golf highlights and people will fall in love with that sport. You don't need to alter the sport drastically. You just need to get it in front of more people. That's what you need because you will find fans there. Yes. Oh, so yeah. The way that it works is you need to make it more accessible that now if you make it say you make it accessible to everybody you get rid of these blackouts so you can watch any game anytime if you want you put way more games on tv you lift all these regulations the game's super accessible you're putting all this effort into marketing your athletes and it's still not growing then you might have a problem with the sport itself but that's a last that is not the case you make the sport exactly. more accessible more people will follow the sport that's just how it works Exactly. I mean, because I'm firmly saying basketball is overtaking baseball as the second most popular sport in this country. I'm, I I don't know if the revenue says that, but I completely agree that that is, especially with our younger generation, especially with like my little brother and even Lauren's little brother, who's about 13. He doesn't remember. He has no concept of turning on SportsCenter and them going through every game. He has no concept of that. He goes, why would I do that when I can go to YouTube? And it's like, that's the thing that's just, it's just so different. So guess what? I have to go to YouTube if I want to watch any highlight of the MLB. I want to watch what happened in a boring, like again, in a 3-2 game against the Padres versus the Orioles. Okay. Nothing really excited happening, but guess what? You know, what's really, you know, what's really cool is getting to watch Fernando Tatis doing a ground ball and getting that exposure for Fernando Tatis, for Manny Machado. I mean, just getting these guys out there a little bit and having them in front of everybody. Because Fernando Tatis is electric. He's electric. And he needs to be on everybody's everybody's radar. He needs to be on everybody's social media feed. But I can't post it. It's just – it's garbage because that's the way that again, you're in communications and i think communications and you could talk a lot more on this but i think communications and marketing is so intertwined now that it's inseparable and to completely eliminate the sharing ability via the communication via the marketing i mean that's just i would think that that's a, a huge leg of any operation that you're just not letting happen it's counterintuitive. And to be honest, I think the teams in the league are more or less working against each other a little bit um, because the teams, you got more and more teams investing in videographers and photographers and really, really good media content creators. And they're putting out awesome stuff. And, but at the end of the day, you still need that ability for there to be highlights shared. So you've got teams that are putting out awesome videos. And you do see Bleacher Report picking those up sometimes. But at the end of the day, you need to hit a point where those Bleacher Report and House of Highlights entities can just pick the highlights up themselves and mm -hmm. anybody can post those highlights. So yeah. you, you can have as much creative content as you can, but at the end of the day, you still need to have broadcast video able to be shared. And they're, well, they're kind of working against each other in that regard where – the teams are making headway by making more behind the scenes content and creative content. But then you have the league that's just still not allowing the most basic thing, which is broadcast video and straight up TV clips of highlights to be shared.
Yeah, that's I mean, and that's where baseball is such an old guard sport. It's so old guard, and I think it's transitioning into a little new guard. But it's very hard to get rid of the old guard, and it's very hard to tell people that you need to be doing these things because from because the way that they might be thinking of it is is look right now we have full control over everything we have full control over everything why would we want to give up control of these things and it's no no and that and that's just the wrong mindset it's no no no, no. it's not that you don't have control it's you're allowing yourself to be shared and you're allowing yourself it goes yeah but if you're sharing it where's my cut that's not the point. The point is he's sharing it to somebody and maybe then they'll, that other person's going to turn around and buy something from you. Mm-hmm. It's not, and the, the MOB has always just been, well, where's my cut? Where's my cut? Where's my cut? And it's like, you need to chill out here for a second and you need to think about the long run. You need to think about what the NFL has been doing, what Premier League has been doing, the NBA has been doing because they have grown exponentially. And I think that, the MLB also has, and two, they have grown astronomically fast as well, just because the, the sports market is bigger. And I think that's also clouding their judgment. Um, I mean, just the quick thing as why they're growing astronomically is, I mean, right now, I mean, there's running jokes in all sports franchises of, you know, how, how do you think it's going to you know, be impacted by playing with no fans? And in the NFL, you go, I don't know, go ask the Chargers. How did they play last year? Oh, I don't know. Go ask the Marlins how they've been playing for the last 20 years. The, uh, the Miami Marlins play with 6,000 people in front of them every day. Uh, they make no money. They're not a good franchise. And a couple of years ago, they sold their team for a billion dollars in profit. The MLB makes money. They're growing. But they just are losing their opportunity cost. I think it's just so massive of what they could be doing. Mm-hmm. What's your driving range story? I need to hear that. Oh, so the driving range story. So I, I'm at, the, you know, I go to the driving range, and this is like a, it's, it's a really small driving range. It's like twelve, maybe not even, but like call it ten stalls, and they're like, by stalls, I mean they like put down a, like a board and like, all right, there you go, which is normal. That's not bad. So and it's only like 160 yards, so you can only, I think that means I can use four clubs. I can use the eight, the pitching, the sand, and. So I'm like, okay, all right, but at least I can get some swings in. And I get there, and I'm like the tenth guy. So I fill up like the last one, and then, you know, right as I kind of get there, like four minutes later, some guy comes and he goes next to me, and there's not a stall. And it's I'm just like, I don't care, yeah, go for it. And then more people, more people, and then eventually there's like 18 there. So there's only like, you know, there's like seven people that aren't hitting, and I'm there to like work on my game. So I'm like. I am taking a little bit of time between my shots, like maybe 30, 45 seconds. Like I'm kind of resetting and then taking my shot. And I've gotten like halfway through my, my bucket. And this I have headphones in. And this guy like taps me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, man, do you want to like um, switch out? Like I hit five and you hit five. And I was no, you lunatic. <laughs> no, no. What, what type of su- – no, I'm not doing that. Just wait, wait your turn. We live in a society. Just, <laughs> there are rules. Just wait. Is, what'd you tell him? I told him no. I told him to wait. <laughs> I was like, I looked at him. I, I looked at him like he was a lunatic. Like no, like, like, and, you- and, it, like and like, and especially the way I was hitting him, which was not well. If he told me then to hurry up, he, I mean, oh, he would have gotten it. <laughs> 
That's so do. like, I mean, you don't, it's, you don't pay for like the slot, but you pay for the bucket. And it's like, I, I got there. I'm, yeah, you were there. There's, first. there's no space for you. There's I'm no space for you. You were like, this. this was like seven, maybe six thirty. Like, huh? Like not again. I got there probably like six ish, maybe, and then I left at like six forty five. Like not an outrageous amount of time, and and that that included fifteen minutes of like cutting. Yeah. So like not an outrageous amount of time. So you just only like the stall for like thirty minutes. Probably. And then I was probably about halfway through. And it's just like, dude, wait your turn. Like, <laughs> it's busy. That's Deal so with weird. it. Yeah, it's like, this is how it works. You wait. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, it's busy right now. This is a small driving range. You yeah, wait. Exactly. Doesn't mean you get to butt in. Like, I don't know you. <laughs> it was, I, I should have been like, back up. We're in, a, we're in a pandemic. Who the hell do you think you are touching me? <laughs> I'm like, sure, man. You want to alternate sips on this water bottle? <laughs> what do you want to go home and kiss my wife, too? <laughs> <laughs> want to go halvesy on some food? Yeah, like, what do you want? You want to meet in the middle on a Subway sandwich? Like, what, what else do you want to do? <laughs> what exactly are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, what <are> you... <laughs> Share my stall? Why don't you just leave? That's it for number one. If you made it this far, you must have liked it. Head over to Twitter and drop us a follow. Mine is at O'Brien and Ben's is at BNZatari. Shoot us a DM and let us know that you listened to the episode, and we'll be sure to shout you out next time. We'll see you then.